We all tell ourselves stories of who we are and why. But we forget that we have the power to define them. Let no idea grows from mewling striped cum to teeth at your throat, tiger. Without a little help, some guidance, and a whole lot of love along the way. I am Jared Surf, and this is Here Be Tigers. It's interesting, I think, as with every one of these exercises, we start with a very simple premise and usually a handful of truths. And by the time we started to extrapolate other elements from them about the world, about what kind of story we want to tell or needs to be told based on these things that are already true, the decisions that follow are much easier. I think, as you were saying, okay, is this a game about people deciding what to do and then arriving at the end? Or is this a game where they do all this stuff and there's a consequence to that? Mm-hmm. And when you asked them, my thought was, well, the more interesting and fun game is leaving the, the finality unknown because the real conflict is that last choice. Yes. And these games are so much about what the most engaging point of conflict is, which kind of flipped back to way in my, under, my grad days. Folks would often ask, well, why, why does this program you're in give you poetry and playwriting and screenwriting classes alongside fiction and nonfiction. And the rationale there was, regardless of what type of story you're trying to tell, learning prose, learning scene structure, learning pacing will help you tremendously. So even though we've been talking about a storytelling game here today, Mm -hmm. the elements of learning how to extrapolate from a few pieces, learning what is the most powerful moment of conflict from the elements you have known already, and how to feed them, how to give them room to grow and provide you with more fodder material from there, however you want to call it, than not feel the need to hold on to, right? I think we've thrown so much aside as we've gone through these premises today. <laughs> and it was fine. As much risk, I think, as there is in sometimes delving into the unknown, the reward of arriving at a thing that is not just fun for you, but for the other people who engage with it is immense. And I can only speak for myself here, but I think one of the reasons I've continued to play these kinds of games is that, unlike with, say, writing a book often or working on video game or screenplay, you can see the results of good narrative immediately. I don't remember the moment, but I know I grossed the hell out of you and Steven at the same time, Dave. Mm-hmm. During the whole collapse of Potos, just, oh, right, it was peeling open the rock and what they found underneath it. <laughs> Parts of a mouth still moving, yes. Gross. Yeah, that's... It was. <laughs> I like both the Western and the Wolves game. Because they both have a sense of finality and closure to them. I don't actually, the the one problem with Stairs Without Number is, and this is also by design, that you are wandering until you stop. You you are, when one of the things you're trying to find is your way to stop. It's just the nature of the game. But there's a certain amount of this could potentially go on forever. I think the finality in Stairs Without Number is the unspoken third choice, which is your you leave you're not there at all and how you how that happens might vary but that's the goal is to get off the staircase entirely whatever that means i sort of felt that that resolution was whatever when you reached enough milestones 
that when when you got what you were looking for. So whether you found a new home and that home might be on the staircase or not, or you found the way to make things right and then you disappeared from the staircase or or what have you, that was all like that's what you needed. What you need then is, I think, as you specified, each character has a trouble, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like they're going to keep running as long as they've got a trouble. If you don't have troubles, why are you running? So there needs to be more of an interaction between the goals and the troubles. Like you, you, you can win, either, win to the, that extent either by getting rid of your trouble or getting rid of your troubles. The wrong thing, resolving your trouble. A person who has a who has a temper is not going to resolve it by stopping having a temper, but they will resolve it by by getting a better control of it. I was trying to think of also maybe maybe increasing or like giving a nudge to the trouble itself, like maybe every so every stair or every like milestone, the trouble close, the troubles get closer and closer or something like that. That would be a mechanic. So you start off with, you get like six trouble tokens before you have to move on, but the next time it's five and the next time it's four. But every time someone manages to resolve a milestone, they remove a trouble token. What system I want to give you instead of dice to run your game? Yeah. A Moncala board. What is a Moncala board? You give your troubles to other people. Because in Moncala, it's a very old game. You win by placing tokens and whatever bowl your last token goes into you clear out and whoever has the most tokens at the end wins so the goal is basically like poker counting and wagering what other people are going to be stuck with or wager so that you're not left with any of the things you had a problem with to begin with but you have more than you started with so in that same way i feel like not only there's been multiple ways to resolve troubles what i'm saying here whether mechanically using something like a Mancala board or within the rules of the game itself, where you don't have to rely just on yourself to alleviate your troubles or resolve them. You can leave your physical, you can leave troubles for other people, but then they have to resolve those too. But you don't have trouble anymore. And that's one way to get rid of it. That, that might work. That also could play into the stay thing of like, yeah. Like, let's say they don't find the location on the stairs that they need to be at but they find a place they're comfortable with so in turn they give up resolution and as a result the troubles go on to the other players or something simple like you cannot stay in a place permanently until you got rid of your trouble however you did i think that definitely plays into like the person who was looking for a place to call home it could also work for leave too you can't get out of there till your trouble's gone so however you get rid of your trouble so there's stay and go temporarily, but stay or go as a permanent end point. This is reminding me a lot of like those movies where like it's kind of a dreamscape, but the dreamscape is dominated. Like, and you don't escape without uh, either without changing, whether your change is achieving your goal or giving up on your goal or something like that. But I still think we need a resolution that forces that. I'm going to spoil a little bit of Persona 5, the Muso game, where you basically go through the same plot again because they were too lazy to come up with another plot. The final sequence before the last boss fight, you're trapped in a sequence of other people's desires that won't let you get away. And it's an actual old-fashioned tunnel. You're on rails or railroaded, as it were. You can only go forward and back. And as you do, you loop and you loop and you loop, and the other party gets increasingly, party members get increasingly frustrated. But occasionally, if you push against either wall of the tunnel you're on, the entire screen judders. 
and you have to actually run consistently through a single point, the same single point, each loop to get out. Yeah. I'm not saying that's your mechanic here, but there is there's something that you have to there's a nail you've got to hit repeatedly in this game of stairs without numbers to make something stick, whether it stay or go. It can't just be you hit six nails and you're free. You've got to break something. Yeah, like there's an element of like one of the ones that occurs to me is that when you hit a milestone, your option is to either get a step towards achieving your goal or remove something off of your personal trouble track. And you can escape by one or the other, achieving your goal or or resolving your trouble. Here you go. So stay or go are, is the, the two, are the two stats, right? And they flux. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's a flux stat in this. Originally, I wasn't planning on it. Originally, it was, you know, simple resolution and you go until your trouble catches up with you and then you have to go again. Here's what I'm going to throw this out here as an idea. You need to hit a certain amount of stay or go to stay fully or go fully, right? And getting rid of your trouble is a way to increase stay or go. Doing other things are a way to increase stay or go. So every action you take is a matter of trying to increase stay or go. And maybe sometimes you've got to burn those stay or go tokens to make things happen. Your desire as a player is to go, but you've got to burn some of your go currency to make stuff happen along the way. So there's a risk and reward of how much do you hoard and how much do you give or keep, right? So am I giving up my resolution potentially for the future to make sure things happen in the now? Like, for instance, in Wander Room, where you can burn tokens to succeed or just make stuff happen. So you can burn stay or go to make things occur with that valence. But if you hit a certain amount of stay or go, whatever that threshold is, you get a a milestone marker or you hit a threshold, et cetera, or you lock in something permanent, whether that's like a plus one on the stay or go rule or a step toward, a step toward, let's use, because it's staircases. Okay. And then one other thought that occurs to me is that you have a goal, right? That you're trying to achieve and you have a trouble that you're trying to follow that, that, that follows you. And those are both necessary for you to stay here are like the goal is what you want. The trouble is actually necessary for you to stay here. If you're ever out of trouble, you can no longer stay, which means you can no longer achieve your goal. Meaning anytime there's a failure, your choice is to alter your overall goal or to remove your tr- one of your trouble. In other words, it sounds like a positive character development that you have removed some of your trouble, but at the same time, it's sort of what's keeping you here. You're in the crucible. You're going to like you're uh, like you can only stay here until you've fully burned, and once you've fully burned, you've left a better person, but maybe not one who's achieved what they want. So your choice is you remove some of your trouble or you change the nature of your goal. If your goal was to find like uh like to make it all better like you have some tragic mistake that you made part of that it like like that goal is like the resolution of some of that goal what i mean by that is let's say you've got like a family member in the hospital or something like that and you're trying to find the cure then you're somehow responsible or something like that the when Dude, you have to change the name, on the band to help them you're screwed yeah well and and, but if you if you either give up trouble or you change the nature of that like you're not going to make them completely better you actually have to start resolving your feelings like on that you have to you basically you change it so that it's you letting them go versus trying to save them 
something like that. I'm not quite sure how it would change, but it's in some way it's become the goal becomes less important to you, not less important. Like you're still going to achieve something or it, it, the nature of it changes and the initial goal is less important and it's more just achieving the new goal or at least like transitioning it a little bit. Like you thought you wanted this, but you in turn actually wanted this. We could also merge the two of them. It could be that the trouble that is following you is kind of a gestalt of what everyone's goal is. Like, so if you've got like someone in the hospital, that your trouble, like what's following you is your guilt over that. And when your trouble drops down to zero, you've resolved the guilt. You can live with it now. You're going out and living with life as it is. You realize you and Andrew both created side scrollers, right? Sort of, kind of. Well, I mean, it's so... So if we're side-scrollers, which one is uh, the, the God, I can't remember names today. Jesus. Um, you remember that one? Wolves Without Teeth. Uh, no, Wolves Without oh, no. Teeth. <laughs> I've got it as far as, as, far as a resolution, because we want to keep this simple. We got to keep this as something that can be on the same page. You're trying right. to achieve three milestones towards your goal. If you can manage to get a certain number of successes before you move on to the next scene, you've achieved a milestone. And at that point, if you've achieved the milestone, you do not have to pay anything to move on when trouble comes. So in other words, you've got to burn go points or tokens or whatever to move on unless you hit the milestone. Well, th- that's the thing. So when, but if you haven't reached your milestone at that setting, uh, at that particular setting, then when trouble comes, your choice is give up one of the milestones you've already achieved or one of or something on your trouble track. And when you're out of trouble, you're out of trouble, which means if you don't have all the milestones, you get only uh, that you need. By the time your trouble runs out, you get a partial. So it sounds like there's kind of a parallel architecture between the three games. In Andrew's game, the fundamental robbery architecture is the car right? Here's what happens when you get to the car, on the car, leave the car. Like with yours, here's what happens when you arrive in the middle and then when trouble comes. In Wolves Without Teeth, it's one round around the fire as time passes or whatever that language goes is there. But it's still fundamentally, here are the moves. They use the common indie game parlance, the things that are doable in this moment. And when trouble comes has a specific set of things, some of which are only eligible you're only eligible for if you've meet the milestones or willing to burn things to move along anyway. That sound right? It does. Although I have realized that, that since a lot of these, uh, the things that I'm drawing inspiration from those monsters don't just let you go. Being caught by your trouble isn't necessarily a good thing. It sounds like on all honesty, the monster is the character. They just see it as something separate. It does. So Persona 4, then? It also also seems somewhat like if you don't achieve your goals and your trouble does catch you or you run out of trouble tokens, what have you, it's sort of a giving up. It's sort of a I'm it's it now is now it's time for me to put things down and the and the the stairs take you. No, it's it's definitely it's definitely Persona 2 because Nari Larthotep takes the form of all of your daddy issues. Hmm. Yeah. No, I I agree with you, Dev. I think that. You, you need to have the stairs and the trouble be part of the same ecosystem. Right. So that, in all honesty, the only way to live on it is to no longer be troubled. And whatever that means can vary. There are ways to no longer be troubled, whether it means resolving it, giving your troubles to someone else, accepting them, 
it, Andrew's joking way, you know, my I accept my shadow side and become a persona user, quote unquote. I think leaving via losing all your trouble tokens is is resolving your trouble and you're striving to go on and the stairs take you. Right. It doesn't mean you've met your goals, but leaving it by the via via the milestones and achieving your goal is you've achieved your goal and and you have escaped. But it's the harder one because these stories don't generally work out. No, and your troubles are inevitable and you have everyone else is following you as well. That's what I'm saying. There's a real sense of The Walking Dead here because there's always that question in each episode of why does the cast not stay? And the answer is always because here is worse than wherever we were or on the road. At least on the road, we know what we are and we're relatively safe from whatever will follow. The worst things almost inevitably happen when they arrive at a landing. And as you've scripted in this architecture, that's when trouble finds you because it's when they've taken a moment of respite. I think it's in both in Fellowship and in Dungeon World as a mechanic. Well, in Fellowship, particularly in the Overlord architecture, Overlord architecture, where there's the big Waha villain. When the party takes some time to heal, the villain's agenda just goes on. And it sounds like something similar here. Whenever they rest, trouble gets to pull something, whether it's a specific set of moves to help the narrator get a sense of leverage and allowable things or whether the things trouble is allowed to do are defined by the troubles that are named on the characters. You know, I feel like there's got to be something variable to that one, but also for folks who are newer to narrative work have to be specific levers, as it were, for them to be able to pull and go, okay, yeah, your trouble is anger. Cool. I, I know what this trouble does here based on where you're at and who you are and what you've done to get here. I think I can try writing this up. I don't think it's. Uh, I I don't think the first draft is going to be the complete draft, but I think I can try writing this one up. Andrew, how do you feel about yours and the ability to write it up? Um, I think I probably could get something going. I I think I would need to do something more with the car cars themselves uh, individually, um, or at least have it like if we're going off at like uh, roll these to get a specific type of car maybe have like a couple more tables dedicated to that so so at least it's not because if it's like the transportation of okay the robbers need to get to the next car because of x then it would definitely need to be something more than just a role to determine what that car is you're looking at a combination of factors that determine each car yeah we we could do a very we could leave this on this note we could do a very fun thing where we each write up all three and what we think all three of them look like. Oh, God, where's my time machine? But I don't mean write up all three as in have like the, the very complete thing, but come up with a basic conflict resolution. I mean, a, a basic resolution, the tables that we would use and highlight. Tell you what, why don't we play off of that idea and do the following? Say what, let's for each of us say what we would want to have or see as a player in the other's games. Okay. Not as a GM, but just if I were playing this, here's what I'd want to be able to do or see or have. So same orders before, Dave. Why don't you start us off? All right. In Andrew's game, I would love to see the main conflict resolution uh, or the main resolution of challenges. I don't know what the role would be, but I would love the failure to be to rely on the future. I think, as I've mentioned earlier, so that in, in, in many ways, the, the skills are less based on the capabilities of your character and more the storytelling ability of your character. Okay. I'm trying to think how I would go about that. Because if it's 
it would basically be that it's more how they show off their stuff in their own story. Right. Like they, 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 or yeah, it, it would be, it would be something along the lines of like, I am this good at telling this kind of story or this good, you know? The, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then and here, and then, that, and then your, your bonuses, your like skills that you're good at aren't, aren't bonuses like that they give you bonuses to doing certain things it's your reputation so if the best gunslinger in the west makes a trick shot the audience is gonna be like well yeah he's the best gunslinger in the west so you get bonuses to telling that story right so it's not so much your skills on the robbery itself it's how well do you tell tell the audience about your skills when the story comes i think the tension here is you've got authority which diminishes you and accolades which raises you yeah. Mm-hmm. And this this ties into what I would love to see in your game, which is I would love for in the storytelling stages where you're sitting there getting praise from the audience and trying to convince them you succeeded for the other players who aren't spe- who aren't the character narrating to have a say. OK, so, yeah, something like something like if the primary narrator discounts or like like the gunslinger didn't do as impressive a trick shot while he's narrating it. They say, no, I did do that trick shot as impressive as possible or something. It's less PvP oriented and more more of a yes and. Almost like a contempt token. Oh, you know what you could do? Go for it. Is each person like tells the story up until they fail like a role and it goes to the next person to continue telling the story. And the contempt token is another way that you, or, or the equivalent is another way that you can kind of seize control of the narrative. Like, no, that doesn't work. You, you just described me counter to character. Yeah. And so you have, and so you have minuses or something like that, or that, that person takes over. Um, yeah. I'd love to see something like that. Yeah. Right. And to, to shift the ante it up, each time that shifts, authority goes up as the audience starts to question more and more. And you've got to work to get your accolades to yeah. counter that. Yeah, I like that a lot. That accumulation of points, authority and accolades travels across both phases. Right. And you need to burn your accolades during the gameplay part, during the, the, the challenge part of it to, to do well. Or you can anyway. So let's say you really want to make sure this this thing you're doing works, you can take something out of the accolade pool that you all, I, I like that because then it's a collective token pool in both cases. There's authority. Like you have the authority tokens and the accolade tokens almost. Right. So th- in that way, none of you are trying to, unless your individual objective, like Dave suggested, is to tip the authority to, you know, pool higher. None of you is trying to diminish accolades unless absolutely necessary. Because right. out of accolades comes your treasure. But at the same time, you can only achieve your goals. No one else is going to know what your goals are. So you can only achieve your goals when you're the one narrating, your individual goals. So you do kind of want to seize control of the narration. And you do want to burn accolades to keep from failing. Yeah. So that creates a tension between the players that, okay, yeah, I fail, I lost my turn. But I also want to burn all these bonus points I have. So that I can screw over the guy playing Gunslinger. Sure. So that I can be the winningest. Yeah. Definitely. A game of egos. I, I mean, <laughs> what game isn't these days? True. <laughs> I did just kickstart our game a while back that is ostensibly about band of thieves in a town where you have to go win over the best and the brightest to steal things from them. It is apparently deeply influ- influenced by Persona 5, and they even created a soundtrack for it. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to this. But uh, Nice. Nice. 
I like this idea here because I'm less interested in these kinds of games where they're to push the idea of players fighting each other and more interested in giving them tug of war opportunities where right. the consequences affect everybody, but there's always a reason you want to pull back. Yeah, that's the thing with Stairs Without Number. I don't want it to be a game where you throw people under the bus on these stairs. That's too easy. Dude, if there's a bus on the stairs. <laughs> up the that's library the, steps. That, the, that's the trouble. Comes the Humvee. Come on, the magic school bus. There's a, there's a They Might Be Giants song called uh, Shadow Government. And there's this moment in the in the middle where there, there's this repeating like voice going up the library steps. And then after a little while, another voice pops in going, you know, um, here comes the Humvee. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, you first quoted that particular piece of music way back when we were doing the microscope game. Very likely. With the androids and ice cream and cannibalism. <laughs> yeah. Grand convergence theory continues. We have fun here on Here Beats Hikers. Yeah, we do. <laughs> there, there's an overarching narrative you haven't come to fully realize yet. We're just slowly building up toward it across our multiverse of episodes. All, all of us are, are never sane. It's just a matter of who's the sane one taking punishment. <laughs> well, it's like it's like uh, the Doctor Strange movie. We were both totally lucid and completely illegible at all times. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I would say um, the like that makes me think reminds me that with stairs without a number I would and it's not I, I know that's I'm talking about my, my own game here I would really like it to be something that that having more trouble drives you to be better at achieving your goals so there's a reason to it it can't just you do not want a death spiral no you do not want like for all that the, that that we're taking inspiration from a game I mean from a the story where someone's essentially stuck and will keep going until they fade away. You do not want it a mechanic whereby that's the that's the outcome that's going to happen. That's a very niche kind of game where people are okay with that. Right, where you can only fade away. Then you have Wraith. Uh, and, and the funny thing is Wraith is one of the inspirations for this, but Wraith is bizarrely one of the more hopeful White Wolf games. And I don't like this. I know that sounds bizarre, but it is. <laughs> That's we're doing a different episode on that, man. Andrew, what do you want from the other two games as a player? Yes, I'm trying to think what I want from Dave's game because I, I think I would almost want like kind of like good and bad locations on the stairwell, like so, something where it's like if we treat some of the locations as you stay here because this is what your goal wants. Or you stay here to screw over the other players. I'd almost want the reverse of like, if you stay here, your troubles will be magnified or something like that. So kind of like using the Wraith thing, a harrowing. Yeah. I, I think that would be kind of interesting to see if like, if it's like, if the places on the stairwell, half of them are quote unquote good and half of them are quote unquote bad. So basically you have some, that, in other words, half of them allow you an opportunity to achieve your goals and half of them make you face your, your troubles. Yeah. I think that, I think that could turn this into a game where like, it doesn't like, you, yeah, maybe the, I think that, that there's an element of when your trouble is out or you, um, you have the choice of whether you're ejected back into the real world or the labyrinth takes you. Okay. I think I think that that's very important because I, I think that lets the character decide. The final question is: Are they willing to give up that element of who they are? Do I stay or do I go? Basically, but I like that. I like the the harrowing side of things that that focus on your trouble. I think 
those moments where, particularly in a shorter style narrative, you hone in on the one thing that forces everything forward. And there's no way to get out of it except to make some type of choice. I still think one of the reasons The Great Town Delfo is such a wonderful short story, I've talked about on the show before, but fundamentally the moment of choice is when he decides to take the wedding cake he has bought for the woman he is in love with who does not love him back and puts it in the street and waits for a car to run it over. That is the first proactive decision this literal sad clown has made in the whole story. Mm. It's such a dark story before that. And that's the spot of hope, waiting for the, red, the presumptive wedding cake to be run over so he can start his life again. Mm. Andrew, what would you like to see in Wolves Without Teeth as a player? Oh, that's another tough one. I'm trying to think. Would you like to take a moment and pass the baton? Yeah, I, I think I would. I, I got to think about that one for a second. Part of the issue is that with Wolves Without Teeth, when like there's a reason why I said it sounds like you've got enough to write it up already. Yeah. That that we kind of reached that with yours in a way that we didn't quite reach with the other two. I think the challenge with Andrews and partly why we've been playing around with the, the milestones that carry across is that it has two scene structures. And the challenge with those becomes how to make sure the flow between them is seamless. And that will be a matter of revision because that's where, as much as conceptually you can think, even as I did in the book, oh yeah, one character narrates past, one character narrates present. There will be unexpected hiccups along the way where you'll wonder, right, but in this instance, does that actually work pacing-wise or narratively, et cetera? Maybe you treat it. I I didn't mean to cut you off, but maybe, I, I almost thought of an answer to that as maybe you combine the two. Like you, you narrate it and you do it at the same time. So in other words, the whole game is the performance. And then at certain points you break out, not flashback or four, but you just break out and run the sequence. Yeah. Hmm. So basically everything should be like, I think everything should be told in past tense. Like, I, I think that when you're describing your character, you don't say, I do this. And you go, no, 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 I did this. Or even even like I did this and X happened. And then when you roll, because those X happened moments are going to be, okay, you're a great sharpshooter, prove it. And you roll and you succeed or fail. If you fail, then one of your partners can side-eye and go, all right, yeah, okay, sure. Here's what really went on. Yeah. And the narrative moves over. The authority goes up one, unless you burn some accolades to go, no, 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 I know what I did and here's what I did. Burn accolades, still my story. Because even then, you can still treat it as, like, each car is a separate scene. But, you know, like, once you once you reach that point of the character jumps off or that, they can still, you know... You know, I'm actually wondering if there's two ways in the past the story. You do it like we've been playing Wander Home, where there's the failure, and someone else takes a hold of the narrative unless you burn accolades to keep it going. And car by car, someone starts the narration off to begin with. Yeah, I think so. And I think there should be a a designated order. Like when you fail, you either burn accolades to keep going or you pass it to the person on your left. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, the the most active people willing to jump in will dominate and they will say the most things. Right. And you don't want a circumstance where someone can hoard the spotlight mechanically and narratively. Yeah. In 13th Age, there was a capstone for necromancers, which was cackling soliloquy. And to be fair, it was the final thing you could do as this class as a necromancer, and it was narratively wonderful. There was an escalation die where each round things got more and more dangerous until it rolled over. So it would go from one to two to three, et cetera, to eight. 
In cackling soliloquy, you maximize the die at eight, but only you got to use the number. No one else did. Mm. And do shenanigans. So that kind of spotlighting is fun because it fits character. But again, we should probably box this out for a second. Spotlighting refers to quite literally when the focus of the narrative is on a thing or a character in the moment. And I'm sure we've all watched movies, The Eternals, where that goes on too long. What are you talking about? It was the greatest movie ever. (laughs) So I would say the the one question you you should probably decide, Andrew, is, is this a collaborative storytelling game with no GM? Or is there a GM to keep things, to to moderate and keep things moving? A lot of what we've been talking about makes it look GM-less. I I would agree with that. Yeah, because this seems like, it almost seems like how we do Wander Home, where it's just like we pass the baton with each scene. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Like I, it, this definitely seems GMless. So I guess, I guess that's kind of my challenge to you. That is, how, you know, as a player, I'd like to see a way for this to be fair to everyone who is gregarious or not. Right. You, you know, our group and who, and we'll all take the microphone. <laughs> By the way, I would like to, so moving good to, uh, for Wolves Without Teeth, the one thing I can think of, I would like to see the the Sweet and the Fang have, like, be kind of like moves in Dungeon World, where, uh, like, or some of those kind of moves where it's just like, now this is just a truth, but it's kind of an open-ended truth. Right, they're, they're conditional truths. When a thing occurs or in these moments, here's what you can do. And I would include also, it's what you have to do. Yes. Because uh, another way of keeping things active at the table. And I think sweet works as a compulsion there, too, because in these moments where the thing that is your sweet is at play, you have to choose, you have to act on one of your primal instincts, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Because one, it focuses and keeps the story going. But two, this is your character. When this thing is here, here's what you're going to do among these options to get it. So, so you might have one of your sweets is fear. You, you have to make someone think twice. So when someone seems confident, you have to try to undercut them. you got to uh, rattle them or something like that. Right. Or you have, um, uh, like, like, or you have, oh, there was another one that I, that, that I had that was like, oh, uh, dominance. You have to challenge someone, you know, or things like that, 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 uh, well, that might, that one works better as a fang, but. You know, it's possible in some cases they're both because. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably where it would, the hardest part, I think, of Wolves Without Teeth is going to be the fine language, providing options to guide people on whether they choose them, roll for them, or define their own. You could also have maybe the sweets are more like, uh, maybe they're more basic instincts. Hmm. Like, if, if the fang is the strength, that's what you're good at, then the sweet almost seems like, it, it, I'm trying to think of it as it would be a, a, a weird, necessary thing that needs to happen. like. Oh, well, I, maybe like things are your uh, are your instincts and sweets are your temptations. Yeah, yeah. So, sweet is what pushes you to. So things are like something you automatically do, like like instinct, like gut reaction. But your your sweets are the things that you get rewarded for doing, not necessarily in a good way, but definitely rewarded. Yeah, I like that because then then dominance still works under sweet because you need to be the one to prove or to challenge because. I think, as with all these, part of this is showing how the language keys into other components. For, for instance, if challenge someone is a move or a maneuver or a narrative opportunity, a golden a narrative opportunity, then certain things have to incentivize people using that 
to help them move the story along and feel a sense of character and place in the world, which I guess rolls into my comments or my, my as a player request for as currently unnamed Wild Western narrative game and stairs of that number. For the Western game, if we're going to go the bunch of codgers or a bunch of successful thieves sitting around convincing everyone the heist was there, I feel like as a player, I, you know, I already requested that the audience, that players should have a say during the narrative for it, which I think we've resolved. Right. My other urge or desire there would be for the individual goals to be selfish, but not necessarily destructive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that. It's like, I want this extra treasure, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be like at the Or even like, it doesn't even have to be the extra treasure. It could just be like, I want to take control of this thing in this car, or I want this, um, I want to, I want to prove that I'm the best at X. Yeah. Or I want to do this a certain way to ensure that I am the one in control of this heist or something. Yeah. I want to show off in such and such a way despite the risk or dangers, those kind of things where they're open-ended desires. I want to do this without spilling my beer. Yeah. What you don't want is the, you're a Cylon card in the. Right. I don't think, I don't think a deliberate betrayal of everyone else is a good plan. No. That's where I think it's, it's the goal is to be selfish so that there's a, the the game is group oriented. So they, to give something individual that provides tension against that and why you'd want to why you'd want to take control of the narrative to ensure, because I think importantly, you can only burn accolades as the narrator. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, and I, and then I think the can... selfish thing needs to feed into that. You want to be narrator, so you have accolades at hand to meet your goal. Right. For that. And for Stairs Without Number, I think there needs to be a way to collectively solve things as an option. It doesn't have to be as easy as the individual option. If that's the thing you want to provide tension to, that's easier to be selfish than selfless. If that's the thing you want the game to have mechanically, even if they're as easy, and it's just a matter of player choices to which route you take, I feel like maybe even it's not necessarily trouble with the word burden, right? What makes it harder to stay or go? What weighs you down? So that there's a thing you can share. Well, there's sort of a fundamental question there that, like, it seems to be assumed and needs to be brought out into the open, which is the question is, is the overall goal to escape or is the overall goal to get the, uh, is to find what you're searching for? I had sort of been writing it the second, the second way, but not really ascertaining, like, whether that was really what it was supposed to be. Is the overall goal to just get out of there to figure, you know, and, and with the temptation of achieving something else keeping you in? Right. So, for instance, in Honey Heist, the goal is steal the honey. Mm-hmm. There are consequences that can make that work or go awry or, or valence it. Same with Last Best Hope. My question to you here is that, and I think it's similar to the question you asked about Wolves Without Teeth is it them around the campfire and the finality of that choice? Or is it the actual conflicts that happen after? In Stairs Without Number, is it the journey or destination? I think the more, the more, one thought that occurred to me about 10 minutes ago that has been cycling around in my head is one of the important elements is getting the correct character beats out. In other words, you're trying to, like, someone's trying to find something like, oh, like this can save my sister or something like that. But the important element about that story-wise is not whether they save their sister or not. Right. It's finding out why their sister needs to be saved and why this to is your important. Point, to it's jazz. It's not classical music. 
right. heavy emphasis on improvisation along the way. So it could very well be the goal is not to reach the, is not to achieve your goal. It's to get out a certain number of beats where we learn something more about your character. Leave before that point and you're an extra. The labyrinth has taken you. Okay, so really what the game is about is agency. Do you live as a free individual in this space or do you become part of it? Yeah, the the basically, yeah, like you will be taken by by um, the matrix. Yeah, like the, the <laughs> trouble, like you either you either lose your trouble and you cease fighting and the labyrinth takes you or you become a part of the labyrinth. You become a monster in it, what have you, whatever is appropriate to your character. But you lose agency unless you've gotten a certain number of beats out, at which point. Right, your indivi- things that affirm and assert your individuality. Oh, God, Dave, I just realized what we've done here. What's that? Two or three years ago, you and I were talking about what would happen if an AI tried developing a human-like species and as a quantum system tried attributing (laughs) heavier weights to the things that made poor decisions than the ones that made better ones so that the things that made worse choices than others would suffer more and be left behind. Not out of any cruelty as a god, but simply because it wanted to differentiate between the ones that did well and the ones that did poorly. So what if this is the case though what I need is what entails taking a beat you know what entails it describing you know your taking character a beat in your in your scale here things that reaffirm or assert individuality and agency so it might be something as simple as whatever you do that is something not that you something beyond what you're already defined by right if you can also if you can through these means assert that you are also these things instead of just what you rolled at the beginning because it sounds to me like what you rolled at the beginning is how the labyrinth or the stairs define you. Can you be more than that? But in a one page, what does that look like? Like, it's a fun game. I, I, lo- I love the idea of it. How do we do it? I think you have to, you have to strip it down to something very rudimentary. As we did with Andrew's game, where it's effectively accolades versus authority. Mm-hmm. And wolf without teeth, it's wild versus weary. What are the valences here that are me versus non-me? So that the ultimate choice is the players and the consequence of the play, but the tension is there in every choice they make. Because that's what a one-sheet is, ultimately. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I have this idea. Between the idea of good and bad locations, you have, essentially, the good locations are the temptations, and the bad locations are the... Friends we made along the way. Are the... Are the uh, they're the things that they're the things that make you like confront yourself. You know, again, I kind of feel like this is a place of judgment. I was half joking when I referenced our own interpretation of like an, an overseeing AI viewing various quantum computations to determine which ones were sound and therefore allowable. But each of these rooms or landings or places on the stairs is a decision point or a series of decision points that can be encapsulated as one. I'm thinking, by the way, that I've been like, yeah, with, with all the rolling, I've been, you know, the, the originally it was like, okay, you have a location, you interact with these characters that you find in this location, you try to achieve your goals. You get free of the dice. <laughs> the dice to get at, to, to make things happen. Well, that, that's exactly it. It seems like, but, but, but it was, the idea was that each location would be something you can interact with, but everyone can interact with. 
and they'd be randomly generated. But it seems more like now each location needs to be one of the characters' locations, and it's there. It, it's, it's they're giving an opportunity to shine and succeed or fail. I almost feel like the burden is measured by how many dice you have to roll. I think there's that, but there's also I'm getting a fiasco vibe. Yes, that the that yeah. the scene is determined not by the roll of the dice. The scene is determined by whether the other players at the table think you did well or poorly. Yes. So you might be, your burden dice are assigned by how you play, but the freedom dice are assigned by how other people read or interpret your assertion, your reaffirmation of you as a thing outside the system. So because you can't judge how free you are based on your own experience alone, you have to be judged by the other players. The other way of handling it would be that uh, someone that that whoever's turn it is, they're the ones who like they they are the ones they get a couple of indications from the tables, and then they're the ones who spin the location based on their character. I, I was just about to say because the, the really evil GM thing here to do here is GM plus game or not have a player, whether it's their room or someone else's, set the room up or the landing up, and. Either that individual is the judge of that moment or is the one who establishes the rules, quote unquote, of the decision. It would be a very interesting game if your goal is to keep every character but your own alive, where you, when it's your turn, you set up the things for that character that that is your character, but they're not your PC, they're your NPC. In a way, it's almost, do you sacrifice your individuality to free the group or do you hold on to your individuality and escape Well, yourself? sort of, sort of, but it's also along the lines of like, you're presenting the puzzle for everyone else. So that in that section, you're the one DMing. So it's a shared DMing, but it, it, it goes around and everyone else is trying to figure out what makes your player tick. Yeah. Because it's defined by the, the problems there are defined by your trouble. Right. The problems there are defined by your trouble. And 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 then it can come back to roles because then otherwise, you know, people can go, well, you did. You definitely figured out my character because that's that's so easy. I want my here's what makes it stairs without number. Then the game ends when one player hits successfully free is free is successfully free of their troubles two or three times. So the staircase is infinite until a certain threshold is met. You keep on meeting those troubles until somebody some threshold is met. I don't know if it's an individual threshold or a group threshold. It could be that. I also fail too many times on your character. Your character is taken by the labyrinth, which doesn't stop you sure. from being from being a player character. Instead, or it doesn't stop you from playing. Instead, you play the NPCs in other people's rounds when they're DMing. And when you're DMing again, they're just trying to escape the labyrinth. They're, in other words, you are throwing monsters at them. You become the trouble they're trying to escape. Exactly. I like that because that gives that helps reify the sense, reaffirm the sense of infinite or infinity until certain thresholds are met, whether it's failure or success. And that leads players to want to work toward either or both. In other words, you're not like when it's not your round, you're playing the character. When it is your round, you're playing your character's dark side. Right. You're playing the labyrinth, the staircase itself as it. Right, and you want to win as that. So don't get too attached to your character because your goal is actually not to save them. So the bad ending of Persona 4, got it. I'm glad that we've been able to couch everything in Persona terms today for you. (laughs) I had had to make one last joke about (laughs) 
Yeah. So I mean, I, I think I, I think that I can I can probably write this up, but I'm I'm loving the idea that your goal is like yeah. I mean, and I think there's a certain amount of like you get the final decision. If your character is ejected, are they ejected back to the real world, or do they become part of the labyrinth? What does your character want at that point? Do they are they ejected from the, you know? But but I think there's got to be some reason why you actually want. Like it's up to the players to save your character because you're too much of a monster in the moments the labyrinth has you. You're in, in, in a very true sense, you are the trouble in those beats, and they have to pull you act. They have to pull you back out of the trouble because all the labyrinth sees of you is the trouble. You realize, Dave, what we've created is a roguelite where you run the risk of becoming the monsters everyone else has to escape. Yeah, basically. I think this is, I think I'm going to try writing this up. I think that's what I've got what I need for writing this up. Does everybody else feel like they've got what they need for writing it up? Uh, yeah. And I was also going to, uh, I got what I was going to say for a uh, Jared's game. Oh, perfect. One of the things I do think could be touched upon is the idea of the campfire, maybe like changing it up. Cause I, I also, I was trying to remember another board game I would play that would, I played that, probably would help along with the language of how you do the uh, wild and wearies, the board game evolution. Oh yes. I've played that. Uh, that. That might be a good way to deal, to help with the languages and that kind of thing. But I was thinking of it more as if it's like, instead of beasts at a campfire, maybe it's beasts in like their last bit of territory in a forest or something like that. I, I'm thinking of it more as like, maybe give something that they do between each other and also where they're kind of positioned in like, like have it so that it's like you do this and it gives you a little bit of wild or a little bit of weary, like, like it, it would be a lesser thing, but still be able to get, you know, certain points without deliberately doing something against another player. Mm, yeah. In other words, how can they, without causing issues for another player, gain or build up in more of a thing to push as with your accolades in your game well one of the things could be a cooperative thing instead of challenging them you go you remember when we did this and they play along with it or not you don't do a full flashback scene to to how it happened you just kind of tell like share tell everyone else i think then the actual move is you remember when and there are sub options as you remember one ellipsis question mark and here are things that can happen and then regardless or the narrative things can go as they want, but the mechanical effect is giving or taking away wild and weary. And challenge might be a different structure of options to help give more narrative heft and leverage. But you remember when might be the more, as you've said, cooperative version, so that there are ways we can shift the group dynamic throughout each of the scenes. Yeah. That makes sense. I like that. Because, I, I, I mean, it, it's just like, you, you know, you're probably going to have that player that doesn't want to specifically do the wild against another player and just build it up themselves for a bit to use against later. Sure. If Dominion is your fang, that might be an interesting way to play. Yeah. I like that. There's kind of a fun tension of player versus group desires in each of these, but I feel like there's a consistent thread across them of wanting to give the characters and the players themselves the greatest agency in this by effectively removing any lead narrator. So there's no overall authority on what the story has to be, the tone of it, et cetera. All of that is up for negotiation as the game continues. Kind of an interesting 
I don't know. I don't know if I'd say it was our intent to go there, but it's definitely where we arrived by the end of this. Yeah. I'm realizing that with stairs without number, your goal playing in the game is to have your character go out in a blaze of glory. The loser or possibly losers are the ones who actually escape. Not because it's a bad ending, but because your goal is to tell the story where yours are the one, your your characters are the ones who die to show how dangerous the threat is. Your goals are like it's sort of like an alien alien situation. Sigourney Weaver was like the nobody. No one expected her to survive. Okay. The goal of all of the big name characters was to die to put her in more danger. So here's my last request for you then as a player. One of your moves has to be game over, man. <laughs> <laughs> game over, man. On that note, I think we should wrap up for the day. Yep. Well, thank you, everybody. This has been Otter Worlds, a subsidiary of Here Be Tigers. You can catch the show at herebetigers. Or pardon me, anchor.fm slash herebetigers. That's with a Y. We now have the capacity for you to leave messages with notes, thoughts, feelings. We'll be back on Instagram soon. Please be nice to us. We know you won't. <laughs> we are the nicest people to our fans. Andrew, you're not helping. <laughs> you know, some people you invite to be part of the group, to be a GM, and then they uh, they wait till the very end of the episode to just stick the knife in. I mean, how many times do you do it as Shiloh on a regular basis? It's on my sheet. Trying to be a nice guy. <laughs> Listen, when the GM can strike back against the player, it, it, he's always going to take it. Dave, I think we've taught him the wrong lessons. Either that or if you taught me, you've taught me both the good and the bad, and I'm right. just taking the bad. Deliberately chosen per this entire episode today, the worst options. <laughs> Fair enough. We've taught him well. All right. We will catch you guys next time when we start to put some of these into effect or play test some other one sheets with more of our players, Andrew included, although we'll be forcing him to take the good option. Till next time. A good story can excite us, yes. But the best ones, fiction or not, compel, inspire, or drive us toward the hope that we need for a better life. Remember, you don't need to know everything right now, but you do need to write. So make sure to like, review, and subscribe to us at Here Be Tigers. And until next time, take life by the tail.